We're in John 17, and we've been we we broke this uh, passage up into three pieces, and we talked about <clears throat> the heart of Jesus uh, for Himself first, in terms of His His the work that God had for Him to do, the time that God had for Him to spend, and uh, how how that all was inward focused initially. But then last week we looked at the outward focus in terms of his prayer for his disciples that God had given to him. And that was uh, not just something that was uh, a random kind of, uh, let me see if I can pick a dozen people to be of help today. Uh, It was something that was a very deliberative act of God in the person of Christ choosing his 12. But then... Uh, today, I want to take a look at it in terms of a little bit more of a future perspective, I, what I'm calling the onward focus uh, today from the last part of John 17. I'm going to break in at verse 20 and read through the end of this chapter. And this is Jesus' prayer for the disciples to be, those that God would give to him. <clears throat> My prayer is not for them alone, them being the disciples that Jesus had given to him. Jesus had had been given. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Now, when you look at this John 17 portion of scripture, um, you you can't run through it. It seems like you might think, oh, I, I know what he's going to say. I know what he's going to pray. But it seems almost with by phrase by phrase, phrase by phrase through the story, through the account, there are little, little different aspects to it. And a lot of it uh, is, is his heart for not only those 12 that God gave to Jesus, <clears throat> but for all the ones who would follow in their train, who would who would be God's gift to the world, to the church, so that his presence would be unmistakably uh, 
evident. <clears throat> Keep in mind in the context of this particular John 17 story that it's the night before Jesus is crucified. We, we have Advent doesn't seem to fit well with that, you know, kind of thing, but that's the context of it. And the weight of the world is beginning to be lowered on Jesus' shoulders, and indescribable pain and horror await him. And what is on Jesus' mind? It's it's not preoccupation with, oh my, how did I ever get into this situation? What's on his mind is you and me looking down that tunnel of time uh, that that Christ knows that even though it's very dark, um, it's not the end. And he has a work to do and he's looking forward to those that God is going to use to accomplish and complete that work. So the focus uh, is of interest. There are three pieces that I want to look at this morning in terms of this John 17 portion. The first part is this, that Jesus prayed for our harmony as people. One thing I like <clears throat> about coming to, there are many things I like about coming to City Light. Apart from the drive, that's a that's a bit of a reach, but I can handle that. You know, we're, we're still able to do that. Um, is, uh, is the opportunity to worship. As as uh, simple as it is, we don't have don't have the, the the band and the banjo. Sometimes we have the guitar. We don't have uh, a lot of instrumentation. But in the simplicity of worship, I find it easy to worship here. And uh, in that simplicity of worship, the thing that I like to do is is enjoy the harmony and and harmony is something that we make um, I remember when uh, uh, Nate Howard our district superintendent first first approached me and said would you, would you be willing to come up and and do this transitional and uh, he described you know he said here's what the here's what the situation is and here are some of the people who are there and he said he said, I, he said, you know, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing, he said, I wouldn't mind coming up and, and you know, being a pastor here kind of thing. He said, now you'll find these different people. You'll find Rebecca and Amber, and they lead the worship. And he said, over here on this side, you'll hear, you'll hear Don singing the tenor part, the harmony. It, it's the harmony, and it really works well. I, 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 when I come in ahead of, of the, the service time, and uh, Amber and Rebecca are often just doing a run-through of some of the music. Um, Amber's got the alto, Rebecca's got the soprano, and I just walk around and fill in a third part. And I'm over singing to myself or whatever, uh, just because it just, the harmony fits. And I, I think heaven's probably going to be quite harmonic uh, in terms of it, it, all the, the multitude of people uh, and 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 uh, the way that things come together. And you can, ha you can have people trying to sing, and, and it doesn't sound good. You know, it, it, you don't have harmonic, you have dissonance at times. Um, and I'm not talking about any individual here who can't carry a tune in a bucket. I, I'm not, not, I, all, I'm, all I'm saying is this, that 
that it is a God thing in terms of a, a wonderful delight that we're able to sing in harmony as his people. The harmony that Jesus is talking about is referenced in verse 21. It's part of his prayer that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Referenced back, of course, a few verses before we looked at last week in terms of his prayer in verse 11. He says, uh, I am coming to you, Holy Father, protect them so that they may be one as we are one. When Jesus comes around again on this theme of unity and the harmony together. The unity is crucial for several reasons. First is that because the world is watching. The world is watching. Verse 21, put it this way. Um, may May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Um, people, people watch you, whether you like it or not. And whether it's good advertising or bad is dependent upon you and your heart for God, your relationship to Christ. That can make all the difference in the world, of course. But the world is watching us. And so be careful how you live. We used to have a kids' chorus. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Ears, what you hear. <clears throat> For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, and whatever. Not only is God watching, but the world is watching. And the thing that the heart of Jesus is for is that there will be irrefutable evidence that that there is something different about you and me because of the presence of Christ in us, it'll make all the difference in the world. And that's why he prays for our harmony. He prays also that that unity comes through the glory of Christ. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. The glory. Now, um, in the book of Acts, which we got not quite halfway through before I preempted that one. But in the book of Acts, there was a reference, interesting, when when there was a uh, 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 the last day in the life of Stephen, one of the early leaders of the church. And uh, he is about to be stoned, uh, taken out, getting ready to be pummeled with rocks. And the scriptures tell us in that account that there was something different about his radiance his face, I think King James put it, his face shone like the, like the face of an angel. There was just something different about it. There was the sense of glory on him. Moses goes up on a mountain in the Old Testament and comes back down. And the people can't handle it, and so they put a veil over his face because he was with, with God, and the glory of God was all about him. You cannot spend time in the presence of Jesus without it impacting you and what you exude beyond that. You go to the transfiguration experience that Jesus has, and he has got his disciples there in a couple of many ways, and, and there was that sense of the glory of God about that whole event. That unity comes through the glory of Christ and the difference that Jesus makes by his presence in us. And, and the Old Testament talked about, you had this wonderful word called Shekinah, 
glory. It was just the manifest presence of God where God shows up and just like this aura about that. And it's the same kind of thing that glory of Christ is available to us and ought to be evident within us. That unity comes also through the indwelling Christ. And while this is pre-Pentecost in terms of the indwelling Holy Spirit of God, verse 23 puts it this way, I in them and you in me. I in them, you in me. We could park there for a long while if we wanted to talk about the life of a believer that is indwelt by the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus himself, is in us. And that becomes evident. That's a part of the prayer of Jesus for our harmony, our unity as people. And it comes through that indwelling Christ. Um, we don't we don't emphasize that as much, I don't think, uh, of, uh, these days. There are a lot of things we can focus on. But for me, that aspect of the person and work of the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us and becoming so evident in terms of the character and the heart that gets transformed so that we touch the lives of other people with the very fragrance of Jesus because of our abiding in him. That unity purposes the action and love of the Father to us. The end of verse 23, put it this way, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me, that may be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me. That's the action of Jesus. That's the love of Jesus for his disciples to be, but for his disciples that he had there at present. And, and the concern about this whole business of harmony or unity is pervasive through the through the. Uh, in the scriptures, and and you can take a look. You can, you can nose through this one on your own in terms of uh, the the other references there, and are, they're kind of scattered around there. But First Corinthians one, Philippians one, Philippians two, First Thessalonians five thirteen, and First Peter three will all be references that talk about that whole sense of unity together and the importance of being one. <clears throat> the heart of Jesus for us as his followers is that we may discover uh, that harmony together as his people. And I, I, I come back to make reference uh, when we talk about how we can care for one another. That, that sends a very clear and sweet message to people around it. And it's not that like you do something so that you can be seen. Jesus had enough of that with the Pharisees. Uh, but you, you do as God prompts, and it simply blesses other people. And that's the kind of thing that brings um, a unity together and a, a cohesiveness to the body of Christ. That this, is the, this is the real deal. This is not just come and put on your Sunday best and do do bet you can and impress people. No, it's, it's much more at the heart in terms of what Jesus longs to do. Harmony as his people. 
Jesus also, uh, beginning verse 24, the paragraph, or the second part of that particular paragraph, um, prays for our homegoing as his children. And this was an interesting one uh, to me as I was sitting in it. Father, I want those you have given me. And, and I'd, I'd have to stop there for a second just to remind us that you are given to to Christ. You are given to the Father. It is You are a gift to him. God gave us as a as a tangible expression of the life of Christ that ought to dwell within us. But that's it's something that he did. He gave it. It's a gift. I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Now, obviously, when Jesus is still here, and so perhaps in one sense he might be talking about the disciples that he had there, but, but also I think it's a reference to what's coming ahead. Uh, I, I used the phrase last week, uh, the, the song, that this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And there is a future hope that we have. I'm glad I don't have to live this life and hope that it just when I when I when I get when it comes my time to check out. Uh, I know that's the best expression, but anyway, to 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 lay down my burdens, you know, to lay it out. When, when that time comes, I hope that that's not the end. My confidence is that if this if this word is true, and I believe it is, that's not the end. Boy, uh, uh, one one old the guy in the history of Christianity would talked about. Uh, one day you're going to read my obituary, and it'll say that so and so is dead. He said, "Don't you believe it?" He said, "I have, I will probably be never more alive than I am at that point in time." The earthly tabernacle, the earthly dwelling, that'll be set down. And, and whatever you do with that or have done to it is your business. But the spirit gets joined with saints who have gone on before and you get to be with the Lord. The scriptures talk about the blessed hope of the coming of Christ. and We may live to that point or we may get there before that coming occurs. But there's a home going involved. I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. And obviously, Jesus goes through the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, and he is with the Father, and that's where we get to be. I don't know. What, in the astronomy of things, you know, where, where it sits. But it, it, I'll let that up to God. He can figure out where he wants to pull me. But that's where, and so I'm saying, beam me up, Father. Uh, you know, wherever, wherever, wherever that is at that point in time, however that that is, whatever that looks. But there's a home going. There's the power of two words: to purpose, or come to to come to pass, or to have a wish or a desire about something. When you talk about, I want those you have given me to be with me. That home going. God's purpose is to get those who believe in Christ home. At this time of year, there, there's something. I, I, I know when we're raising our children and, and 
and we'd want to go visit with family over the holidays. I know that that got a kink in that a little bit this year, depending on who you listen to, uh, how that's going to work. But the point is, there was always something special about going home. There was. Uh, I mean, it, it might have been very humble and simple, but there was something nice about going home. Go to, I went to Nyack College uh, back in the 60s. That's long. That's old. That's old. Holy smoke. Anyway, but uh, I remember that there were times where we would have a break or we'd have a long weekend or something. And I remember riding home with a fellow that was from the same church in Erie I went to, Ken Simmons. He had a little, he had a little metro, metropolitan Nash, a little thing. It was like a two-seater, you know, just a little thing. And, and we'd go across Route 6. Oh, talk about torture. There were little towns and all, all the business. So, but, but it was good to get home. There's always something about nice about coming home. And yet, you know, it never stays the same. Because you know, you, you've changed. I've changed. You know, just it, the rooms are smaller. The house is smaller. It just, it, you know, you had a whole bigger picture in your mind about what that place was like. But there was always something special about it when you get there. Oh, I'm looking forward to going home. Not because I'm tired of living this life, but because I know there's a lot more that I will yet experience. And Jesus says, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am. And, and, and he talks a, a little bit more uh, with the purpose of that, basically where I am, and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Um, we we can be impressed by earthly things. There, if you ever had opportunity to go to uh, Sight and Sound in Lancaster or Millennium Theater, whatever they, call it, it's kind of you can you can you can order stuff online now. You can get some live events uh, that they do somehow, uh, however that works. But uh, but when you when you go into those kinds of presentations. It's amazing what they do. It's it's just like wow, and your and your your heart wells up because you know what it's about, and you're thinking there may be people that are just kind of nominal people, and maybe they're going to get really really impacted by the message of the gospel, a clear message that seems to come across in those kinds of dramatic presentations, and 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 you and you, and your you your heart leaps at times. You you, you start leaking out your eyeballs, you know, just kind of the experience of that kind of thing, uh, with a sense of, wow, wow. I remember we took my mom to one of those events, and it was a Christmas, a Christmas event, Christmas story type thing, you know, whatever they call the thing, Miracle Christmas, whatever they call it. And she was, she was just blown away. She just thought, this was amazing what they did, and just had a real big impact. On her, just, just like wow, and I suspect in this home-going concept, you know, and I, I get to stand in the presence of Jesus, and I suspect the favorite word of people that end up in the presence of Jesus is, is, wow, wow, the wow factor. Jesus prayed for our home-going, home-going. And then finally, Jesus prays for our hearts. Our hearts as his followers. 
you said verse 26, righteous father, verse 25, righteous father, no, the world does not know you. I know you, and they know that you have sent me. Now verse 26, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. There's in not very far away in this Gospel of John, chapter 13, uh, a great commandment that Jesus gives. And he says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's the great commandment that, uh, that captures our hearts, that love of God. We began the service with the reading of John 3, verse 16. It talks about God loved us. And now, even here, we come back to that commandment of love. It's his indwelling love that inhabits us by his spirit, by the presence of Christ in us, and his person that dwells in us. And that's, that is, that's not just mechanical. That's mystical. How does that happen? How is it that Christ can dwell in us? How is it then Christ can be resident in us? We know it's through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the, the Holy Spirit, and, and there's no, no dissonance there. There's no odd harmony there. It's all perfect harmony in terms of Father, Son, Spirit that dwells in me by his person. But it's the great commandment. And then the proof of that verse 35 by of John 13 by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another love one another so here's this high priestly prayer of Jesus recorded by John with 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 the last days hours of Christ impending it still captures his heart it's a window into the heart of Jesus for himself, for his disciples, and for the ones that he would give his disciples to come. So the questions to us are very simple. Are you allowing the Father to have right of way in you so that you can be an answer to the prayer of Jesus for you? Are you cooperating with the purposes of God? Are you allowing the indwelling Christ to permeate your life with his love as proof to all who see that they can live in harmony with each other and they can love all of those around us. By God's grace, may you and I be an answer to his prayer today, John 17. I, I would encourage you not, not to just say, okay, John 17, scratch it off the list. I just invite you to just sit in this chapter. Whenever you're wondering, Lord, what in the world do you think I should read today? Pick John 17. Just pick it. Just go to it. And you will, you will find that even three sermons isn't going to do it in terms of the depth of the heart of Christ for himself, for his disciples, and for us as we get that picture of his heart.